We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 971 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. We are quickly closing in on a thousand episodes, which seems absolutely insane and surreal. Uh, thank you so much for always taking some time out of your day to join us here on the podcast. I always say we would a million percent do this probably without you anyway, because this is a labor of love and we love talking Packers and uh, the team is absolutely incredible. So uh, we probably would do this even if we were screaming into a void, but it sure makes it a hell of a lot more fun uh, with you guys tuning in every day. So thank you so much. You're the best. And hopefully today is another great podcast for you to listen to. Uh, today, I'm going to be going over the winners and losers of the first week or so of free agency and kind of of the off season up until this point. And before I get there, I want to start out start out by acknowledging that it's ridiculous to label winners and losers of an off season at this point for a variety of reasons. First and foremost, the off season's far from over. There are a million things that are going to happen, and as Brian Gutekunst always says, you know. You know, acquiring players is a 365 day a year job. Like it doesn't stop. It just because free agency opened a week ago doesn't mean that there's not moves to be made. We always see surprise cuts towards the end of training camp. We see players that are released for a variety of different reasons. We still could see players get um, released with a June 1st designation. There are still lots of moves to be made, but we also know that the majority of free agent moves are made right around that first week of free agency. 
The second reason why it's, again, a little bit ridiculous, which I want to acknowledge up front, is that usually the teams that quote-unquote win free agency lose in the season. There's more losers in the first week of free agency than there are winners. There's a lot of really funny money floating around. Uh, Some teams are aggressively trying to improve their team and in some cases do it in very poor fashion. I think what we take for granted sometimes as Packer fans is that we generally, and, and certainly over the course of the, I don't even know, last few decades for the most part, we haven't seen a GM or a head coach that's needed to do something aggressive or crazy to try to keep their job. And we forget that across the league, every single year, there are more than a handful of GMs and coaches that need to go all in in a variety of ways and and try to make improvements just so that they can try and maintain their job. Because if they don't show improvement or they don't show that they can win, they're going to be out on the streets and they may never get the opportunity to lead an NFL franchise again. So And because of that, what you'll see a lot of times is franchises and GMs throw money around to save their job. And because of that, again, you see some really dumb contracts and dumb decisions that are made for the now with teams that have no right playing for now because they're so far away from a Super Bowl. And that's how you get some really bad things that happen. So it's always tough to label winners. It's a lot easier to label losers, which I'll get to in a second, but it's sometimes tough to label winners at this point in the off season. And even then the ones that a lot of times win actually don't actually end up that much ahead. But I still think there's value in kind of going through. And and I know that this is without question a Packers podcast, but if we're not kind of keeping an eye on what's going on throughout the course of the league, who's getting better, who's getting worse, it's really tough to kind of have a litmus test for just how the, you know, how the Green Bay Packers are doing. So I think it's important today to kind of look at which teams are getting better, which teams are getting worse, and you know which teams have made some really boneheaded decisions this offseason, and which teams have put themselves in a, a position to maybe succeed or contend at a higher level than they have in the past. And I, I think the interesting thing here, as I start getting into this, is there were five teams that I were able, you know, was able to label as losers very, very easily. I have five teams listed as winners, but like two of them were more like they did okay. Um, one of them was like, I think they did well for one major reason. And then two, I really liked, but one of them was because they basically stayed the same. So without giving too many spoilers here, there weren't a ton of teams that I really loved what they did this offseason. I could really only name maybe two or three that I was more fond of than not. So we'll get into that in just a moment, but let's start off. I'm going to start with my biggest loser of the offseason so far. And there is zero question. And the Bears have done a lot to try to rival this team so far this offseason, which I'll also get to in just a moment. But you cannot have done anything worse this offseason than the Houston Texans. And this is even going back. This is more than just one offseason, right? But they could barely bring in a head coach because no head coaches wanted anything to do with that franchise. Deshaun Watson wants out and is willing to sit out until he finds another team. J.J. Watt is gone. Going back to last season, you traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller is now gone. And this team is beyond a dumpster fire at this point. I'm not sure what you can make out of what they've done this this offseason. And if anyone has any legitimate ideas, I am more than happy to hear them. And please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter because I cannot make heads or tails as what they're trying to do. I have some idea I think they're trying to change the culture and bring in this Patriots-style atmosphere. But let me just say, bringing in 30-plus people that have come from different cultures is not a great way to set up your new culture. 
You set up a new culture by drafting and developing players, bringing in you know a ton of draft picks, undrafted uh, free agents, and starting from the ground up and building your culture that way. Th- these are the people that that the Texans have signed so far or, or acquired in trade so far this offseason. Ryan Finley, Tyrod Taylor, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, Andre Roberts, Alex Erickson, Dante Moncrief, Farrell Brown, Ryan Izzo, Marcus Cannon, Justin McCray, Justin Britt, Shaq Lawson, Derek Rivers, Malik Collins, Camu Gruger Hill, Jordan Jenkins, Christian Kirksey, Terrence Mitchell, Vernon Hargraves, Desmond King, Tavier Thomas, Terrence Brooks, and Cam Johnson. And you want to know how ridiculous that is? I just made up one of those names and you, I'm just kidding. I didn't make up one of those names, but you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even know if I made up one of those names and I put it in there because it's a ridiculous list of mediocre players. And here's the thing. If you called the Arizona Cardinals right now, if if Houston called up the Arizona Cardinals and offered up these 32 players or however many it is that they've signed or acquired this offseason and asked to trade them for J.J. Watt, they would laugh in your face. They would beyond laugh in your face. They, they've they acquired a ton of players and not all of them combined equate for the loss of a J.J. Watt. Not all of them combined equate for the loss of Will Fuller and I don't even like Will Fuller that much. Like the worst thing that you can do, in my opinion, is sign mediocre or below average or average players to contracts that are, you know, more than what like you would pay for a rookie or like a undrafted free agent. And and here's why I say that. All right. There's a couple of these deals that I liked. Philip Lindsay on a cheap deal is good. That's fine. Desmond King on a cheap deal. Fine. Marcus Cannon, the trade to get an offensive tackle. You can never have enough depth along the offensive line. I think Cannon's a good player. Those three moves independently are fine. Like adding a Alex Erickson, right? Or I don't know, maybe a, a Terrence Brooks or something like that, like to a cheap deal in and of itself, a Derek Rivers on a prove it type deal. There's there's nothing inherently wrong with any of that, but all of it combined adds up to money and in money that you could actually spend on legitimate real free agents that are going to make your team better. None of these players that they signed, not a one is going to move the dial one way or the other in trying to transition into a competitive football team. Not a one. And here's the other thing. Why are you signing 32 small-priced free agents, most of them on one-year deals, when you're not competing for this year? So let's say any of them turn out really well. Now they're free agents and you have to pay them. Like, So let me just go through this really quick. If you are a team in this situation, if you actually want to go out and acquire a bunch of players like this that are low-priced players that are maybe going to build a new culture and things like that, what you want to do is find young 24, 25-year-old players that you really liked coming out and maybe ha- you know haven't succeeded so far in the NFL, and you want to sign them to a three-year deal with guaranteed money in the first year and nothing guaranteed in year two or year three, but cheap in year two and year three, and then hope that you hit on them. And if you don't, you release them, no harm, no foul. And if you hit, now you've got a really good player for the next two seasons on a super cheap deal. So let's take Derek Rivers, for example, right? Former third round pick of the New England Patriots. If you want to bring in and maybe spend more on him in year one, say maybe you're going to say, listen, you're going to go for 1 million on the free agent market and you may not even uh, make a team, right? 
But what we're going to do is we're going to give you a three-year, $9 million deal, and we're going we're gonna to guarantee all four of it in this first season. So you're going to get paid $4 million this year, all up front, all guaranteed. You're guaranteed to make a roster spot. Um, you don't get anything guaranteed the next two years, but if you make it, now we've got you on two years for $5 million, and maybe turns out really, really good and lives up to his third round billing. And now as the Texans, you have a really nice young player on a cheap deal for the next two years. That is something you can work with. But to sign him to a one-year, $1 million deal, or 1.5, whatever it was, now if he turns out, now you got to pay him. Or he's going to go to another team. You don't even see the, the reward on it because you're not going to be a playoff contending team this year. So everything they did with all of those players just doesn't make sense. There's a way to sign a bunch of young players to small deals and hope that you maybe get them really cheap and young in years two and three, but they didn't do that. There's no upside here for the Texans. They're not going to compete this year. They're not going to get any of these players on longer term deals that you're going to see. And most of them are old and and just not good. It just makes zero sense. Unless, of course, you're just bringing in all these players to tank and, and be terrible, which, okay, fine, I guess. But it just seems like a really bad use of any resources. And again, you would be much better off either spending on younger players or taking all the guaranteed money and and stuff like that that you used on these 30 players and try to get one or two good players that can actually help you two, three, four years down the line. So hate everything about this offseason. That's just even in the signings, not to mention losing JJ Watt, Will Fuller, whatever. He signed for more than he should have. I I can get that for the Texans. And then, but more more importantly, I'm not even going to touch the Deshaun Watson off the field stuff because who, you know, who knows what's happening or going to happen with that. But the fact that they've pissed him off enough that your franchise quarterback, one of the best in the league, wants out of Houston that is just a nightmare scenario. This has been an awful, awful, awful few years for Houston. I feel bad for their fans because this is this is a nightmare and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better at all in the near future. All right, let's go to loser number two, the Chicago Bears, as I kind of alluded to earlier. They've lost, and I'm not going to go over like all the minor players that teams have lost here, but they lost Roy Robertson, Harris, Kyle Fuller, and of course, Mitch Trubisky. They brought in Andy Dalton, Desmond Trufant, and Jeremiah Tachu so far. Those are all fine and well, but I mean, of course, nobody can get super excited about Andy Dalton. Moving from Trubisky to Dalton is completely staying in neutral at best. Um, Going from Kyle Fuller to Desmond Trufant is a massive downgrade. Going from Roy Robertson-Harris to Jeremiah Tauchu, I know they play different positions on the front seven, but uh, it's still going down. You're losing value there. All of that's bad in and of itself. Allen Robinson doesn't want to seemingly play for the team right now. Akeem Hicks looked like he was going to be out for a while. Now it looks like he's going to be back. All of that's bad, period, right? But it gets even worse when it's been reported and by numerous uh, places now that they were extremely in on Russell Wilson and missed out. They were extremely in on Trent Williams and missed out. They were extremely in on Kenny Galladay and missed out. The Bears, as I mentioned, some of the teams are are all have to be all in on the season. Like Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have next to no lifeline left. It would seem. I mean, great, you know, Chicago keep them both as long as you want by all means. But you would think that both of them have to feel like they have to win in some capacity this season if they want to keep their jobs. They're in no man's land in the draft when it comes to acquiring a quarterback. Andy Dalton's not a long term solution. They failed to get Wilson, Williams, and Galladay. 
They lose Kyle Fuller. And Trufant, Atouchu, and Andy Dalton's all you've come up with so far. Just a absolute nightmare of an offseason if you're a Chicago Bears fan, which nobody listening to this podcast is. A very great offseason for the Bears if you're a Packer fan, which, again, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you are. But man, uh, good news for Packer fans, bad news for Bear fans. That's been a nightmare of an offseason so far. Who knows? Maybe they end up with Deshaun Watson, or maybe they do end up eventually with a Russell Wilson, or maybe they end up moving up way in the draft and hitting on a quarterback and all of this you know, comes back and looks dumb in, in, in the future. But as of right now, been brutal for Chicago. Next up on my you know bottom five list is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars were in the perfect situation. New, they had an opening at head coach, a ton of free agent room, tons of premium draft capital, including the number one overall pick in the draft. And they start off by hiring Urban Meyer, which maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. To me, it's not a super inspiring move. I know he's had a ton of success at the college level, but no idea how he's going to be in the NFL. And I don't know. I just think that with all the with all the opportunity that they had, like a Brian Dable or somebody like that would have been a much better option for this young Jacksonville team to go with. Um, didn't I wasn't inspired by that, but then they, they franchised Cam Robinson, which is a brutal decision. You're massively overpaying for a below average left tackle. You know, I, I was okay with the Shaq Griffin move uh, to, you know, bring in some corner, re-signing Sidney Jones to, to kind of solidify the defensive back room. Marvin Jones was an okay deal for them. But overall, you know, instead of going out and getting some premium type players, they go and get Rayshon Jenkins, Roy Robertson Harris, Jamal Agnew, Chris Manhurts, Carlos Hyde, Jonathan Ford. And again, they did get Jones and Griffin as well. But this is a team that, you know, I would have liked to see them go out and get a Kenny Galladay. Like go out and really solidify your offensive line. Get Jonu Smith at tight end to help your new rookie quarterback. Like there's a million different directions that I would have gone here if I were Jackson, but with all that money, all that cap space, they still have the number one pick in the draft, um, but I, I haven't been super fond of what they've done in free agency up until this point. Tennessee Titans next up on my list. I think first of all, signing Bud Dupree to a major deal was a massive overspend. And I know that they had an abysmal pass rush and they had to do something to improve that. I would have liked to have seen them go a little bit more all in to get JJ Watt, keep him in the division. I think he would have been a, a better player for that front seven than a Bud Dupree right now. I know Dupree is younger, maybe has a little bit more long-term upside, but I thought from a pricing standpoint, Watt would have been a better deal for them. But more importantly here, so far they've lost Jonu Smith, Corey Davis, Desmond King, and Adoree Jackson. I mean, that's a lot to lose in the secondary and as weapons. And I know they still have, you know, Derrick Henry at running back. I know they still have AJ Brown at wide receiver, but Ryan Tannehill's, I know he's been good for them, but he's definitely a quarterback where you need weapons to surround him. And they could definitely still, you know, attack, you know, weapons and get weapons in the draft and, and still help out this team. But I just think that losing Jonu Smith, Corey Davis is going to be pr- pretty detrimental to this team. I didn't like the Dupree contract. They lose Desmond King and Dory Jackson in the secondary. I just think this is a team that needs those type of players to succeed. I, I think they've taken a major step backwards this offseason. And when you were a you know, consistent playoff team the last couple of years and trying to compete, I just think that they needed to figure out a way to be better and not lose out on some of those players and overspend on a player like Bud Dupree. Last but not least on my list of losers so far this offseason is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and first of all, they've lost Bud Dupree, Mike Hilton, and Mike Filer, who I'm going to talk a little bit more about in just a moment. They did find a way to keep Juju Smith-Schuster, but I do think that what they've ultimately done here is by keeping Ben Roethlisberger, they've kept open a window that's not a good window to keep open. Like 
we saw them have success towards the beginning of last season. Uh, what they were 10, 11, 12 and 0, somewhere in there. Then reeled off a bunch of losses. I think they lost their first playoff. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Game if memory serves. Ben Roethlisberger is not going to cut it. And this is a much worse version of, you know, what we saw the Saints and, and Drew Brees try to do and try to get him one last, like, I know that the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't have a ton of options here and with how Roethlisberger's, you know, cap was set up and things like that. But this just seems to prolong the inevitable. To me, this looks like a team that's massively on the decline and figuring out a way to bring back Roethlisberger is just delaying things at a, in, at a cost. I think it was now was the time to move on. You've got to get younger at the position. We've seen teams acquire quarterbacks. It seems like quarterbacks are, I mean, hell, if they went out and got Gardner Minshew, I would have been more excited about the Steelers team than bringing back Ben Roethlisberger. So there were ways that they could have went in different directions at the quarterback position. They needed to find a way to get younger. They didn't. And I think that's going to cost them both this year and long-term. I just think, again, that's more of just delaying the inevitable. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right. And that's going to bring us to our five winners so far this offseason. And as I mentioned at the forefront, the first three here, are the first two especially, were like, okay, they did fine. Not great, but they did okay enough. The third one, pretty good, I think. And then the last two are two that I was definitely more of a fan of. Let's start with the 49ers, who I think have done okay this offseason so far. I think the biggest thing for them is they were so banged up and injured a season ago. We, of course, know about Garoppolo, Debo Samuel missed parts of the season. Uh, George Kittle was out a massive part. D. Ford was out. Like They were just so immeasurably banged up last year. 
So I think getting healthy is going to be so big for them, but they also figured out a way to keep Trent Williams, which is so huge. He's one of the best offensive linemen in football. They signed him to a long-term deal. They also get Alex Mack from the Falcons, who is definitely on his last legs, but he fits that offense perfectly. So a a match made in heaven there in in Kyle Shanahan's offense, which he already knows. They bring back Kyle Juszczyk. They bring in Samson Ebukam from the Rams, which I think was an underrated signing. They're probably going to lose Richard Sherman. They lost Akella Witherspoon and Kendrick Bourne, but they haven't lost anything major. And I think they're, uh, you know, they're, they're minor additions plus getting people back healthy, I think overall is going to be a very big win for them this offseason. And again, this isn't saying, I mean, look, they signed Alex Mack and, and Samson Ebukam. Like that, that's not a ton, right? Those aren't major free agent signings, but by getting Trent Williams back and mostly getting healthy and keeping their team intact, even though they struggled the season ago, mostly because of those injuries, I thought this had been a successful offseason so far for the 49ers and they should be able to help themselves in the draft as well. Next up on my list of winners, and this is a this is a more of a, again, I'm okay with what they've done. Not a huge winner, but I think they're a winner so far. That's the Baltimore Ravens. And I should start by saying they lost Yannick Ngakwe and Matt Judon. So two big players up front for them on the defensive side that they're definitely going to miss. They did re-sign Tyus Bowser, Derek Wolf, and Justin Ellis, as well as Pernell McPhee. So four players up front. They did try to keep that front together, but losing Ngakwe and Judon is definitely going to have a major effect on them. So they took a step back that way. But for the most part, they've been able to keep a a playoff team together. They add Kevin Zeitler in free agency, who is a perfect fit for their power running offense and their offensive line. And then they traded for Josh Oliver, which isn't going to move the needle all that much, but he's a pass catching athletic tight end. And if you remember back two seasons ago, the Ravens were at their best in a lot of two and three tight end sets. And when they lost Hayden Hurst, they really took a step back in that regard. So they've got to figure out a way to get back in some more of those unique tight end uh, situations where they can really use a power running offense with Lamar Jackson's athleticism and the ability for those tight ends to split out wide and catch some passes, especially off of play action. They need to get back to their roots of what they did a couple seasons ago. I think Josh Oliver can help with that. I know Kevin Zeitler can help with that. Their defense took a little bit of a hit, but I still think for the most part, especially getting Zeitler, who's just a perfect fit for their offense, um, is definitely going to be a, a, mostly a step in the right direction. Although again, I think this is more of a, a team that kind of stayed status quo. And again, this is all to say... If, if the 49ers and Ravens, who have basically stayed status quo, are two of my winners, it just goes to show there's, there hasn't been a lot of teams that have done really, really great this offseason. Next up on my list of winners is the LA Rams. And they've lost some players. Like John Johnson is a major loss in their secondary. Troy Hill is a major loss in their sex, secondary. Gerald Everett at tight end is a major loss. I know they have Higby number one, but he's a nice one-two punch along with Higby. They lose Jared Goff, which won't matter because of their big addition. And then Samson Ebukam is a a nice rotational edge rusher as well. So they are not without their losses this offseason. But they just added Deshaun Jackson, who is a sneaky, fun weapon for them. He doesn't have to be the guy. He can be like their fourth receiver and be used in very specific situations, which I really like in this point of his career. Even could return a punt or two in key situations. I think that was a really sneaky signing. I don't know. We don't know at this point, as I'm recording this, what the the terms of the deal was, other than it was a one-year deal. If they paid anything major for him, it probably wasn't a smart move. But if they got him on a cheap deal, I really like that move for the Rams. But most importantly here, this is a team that went from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford, and that should be a major jump for the Rams. And for teams, again, that haven't shown a ton of improvement, going from Goff to Stafford could be a major jump for LA. And I think 
of course, there's a lot of Packer fans here that can make the jokes about, you know, Matthew Stafford spent his best in garbage time for the Lions and puts up a lot of late, you know, late game numbers and things like that. I don't know that we've ever really seen Matthew Stafford in a good offense with a good offensive coordinator and everything that he needs around him. There's definitely been times where he's had weapons. He's had Kelvin Johnson, for goodness sakes. But I just don't know that we've ever seen him with a great play caller in in an offense like the Rams. And I don't know that we've ever really seen Sean McVay, at least as a head coach, we haven't, with a weapon at quarterback like Matthew Stafford. And this is going to be a real opportunity for both Stafford and for McVay to show what they're capable of. And if McVay's as good as we think, and if Stafford can be as good as I think a lot of us think that we that he could be if, if in the right system, this could be a match made in heaven and the Rams could take a major jump. Jared Goff was bad, bad, bad last year. So, and you can throw the Lions on my team of losers as well. Uh, he, they would have been pretty close on my list, but this is a this is a major acquisition for the Rams and in an NFC that you know teams are mostly treading water or getting worse. This is a major step for the Rams, and I think it's a really big step in the right direction by getting a quarterback to pair with Sean McVay with all the weapons they have on offense, adding in a Deshaun Jackson. They're going to be very tough to defend, and they've got a good offensive line. Really like where that offense is headed. My next one up is really the only non-playoff team that spent some money that I think is headed in the right direction and made some really smart moves this offseason, and that's the LA Chargers. And again, first of all, they lost Hunter Henry, Rayshon Jenkins, and Dan Feeney. Henry's definitely a loss here, but they've added Corey Lindsley, Jared Cook, Matt Fielder, Odea Bushi, and Michael Davis they were able to re-sign. They did lose Casey Hayward as well, but a couple of these names may not seem like much, but I'll get to those in a second. Corey Lindsley, first of all, their center last year was beyond brutal. He uh, was basically a, 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 just a, a revolving door, consistently letting pressures in. And to be able to upgrade from that to Corey Lindsley is a massive upgrade. And again, when you've got a young quarterback, especially one as talented as Justin Herbert, you want to put as many weapons around him and just a the strong offensive line around him as possible to allow him to really build his confidence, not have to be looking down at his offensive line, especially his center, and to have that confidence. And to be able to put Corey Lindsley in that role with a young quarterback like Justin Herbert, that is so incredibly perfect for that offense and for Herbert's development. So love that move. I mentioned they lose Hunter Henry while they get Jared Cook. And Cook will be a step down from Henry and he's getting up in age and he definitely has some deficiencies in his game, but you have to have a tight end that you can trust over the middle. Again, when you're a young developing quarterback, you want that safety valve and Jared Cook still provides that. A little bit of a downgrade at the position overall, but with Hunter Henry getting the deal that he did, this is a a suitable and adequate replacement for Henry by bringing in Jared Cook. The next two, Matt Fielder and Odeo Bushi, Again, you may not know a ton about, but these are really nice offensive linemen. Abushi had his best year last year as a Texan, and Fiedler, Fielder, excuse me, is a really, really nice offensive lineman from Pittsburgh who's been a really good pass protector. Adding them, those two alongside Corey Lindsley and Brian Bulaga, you have the makings of a much better offensive line than it was a season ago. And again, that just goes to say that's going to be massively helpful for Justin Herbert and his development as a quarterback. And then lastly, Michael Davis is another name that you may not know a ton about, but he has put together a couple really nice seasons for the Chargers. I thought he was going to get you know massively paid by some team this offseason. They were going to they basically were able to keep him on a, a pretty team friendly deal overall and keep him off the free agent market. And he's going to play a major role for them moving forward. So they had some losses, especially Hunter Henry, but Corey Lindsley, Jared Cook, Matt Fielder, uh, Odeya Bushi, and Michael Davis. 
really impressive group of free agents that they were able, either able to acquire or keep. And I just think they've had a really nice offseason. And then last but not least, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just don't, they didn't add anyone, right? They haven't added a single player. The, the Buccaneers and the Packers are the only two play, the only two teams that have not added a single player from another team this offseason. And I think for Tampa Bay, overall, because they were able to keep everyone for the most part, that's still a major win for them. They were easily the best team this past year. For the majority of the year in season, they had some struggles early as they still tried to, you know, acclimate to a new offense and Tom Brady and everything else. But, you know, to be able to get Chris Godwin and Shaq Barrett um, and, you know, Levante David, especially to get all three of those back when they were free agents coming off of a Super Bowl. I don't know how long they're going to be able to keep this thing running with some of the, you know, older players, especially Tom Brady and things like that. But they definitely opened themselves, you know, open, kept their window open for this year, probably in next year with Tom Brady. And that's all you can ask for at this point. Like they've already got their Super Bowl. You run it back for a couple more years. You try to win at least one more. Maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. But this is absolutely the right move. And you don't need to add a ton more players. They have young developmental players that are still getting better. You kept your core together. Um, we'll see what happens with Brady if he, you know, Father Time actually catches up with him, or if he just keeps ticking along, which seems like he is. But uh, I really like this, even though they haven't done anything. And they still have Indomitian Sue, Leonard Fournette, and Antonio Brown, uh, who are free agents. They brought back Gronk as well, I should mention. So they they still have a couple players there in Brown, Fournette, and Sue that they got to figure out. But it, I mean, man, even if they keep two of those guys, you know, and especially they're able to find all three. Um, they're in a really great position. So love what Tampa Bay did by doing nothing. And, and that's really a perfect segue into Green Bay and, and how we would, you know, kind of judge their offseason up until this point. And it's it's easy to look and say, listen, they didn't they haven't signed a single player. They haven't traded for a single player. They brought back Aaron Jones. They did keep Preston Smith. They've lost Corey Lindsley, Jamal Williams, Christian Kirksey, Rick Wagner, Montrevious Adams, and of course Tim Boyle. How, how do you, you know, how do you judge this at, at this point? And I think the first thing that's noteworthy here, I, I want you to just take a look around the NFC. And I mentioned the Rams and, and, and 49ers and Bucks as teams that have had good off seasons. The Bucks, because they stayed status quo, similar to the Packers, you know, the, the Rams, because they get Matthew Stafford, the 49ers, because again, they're mostly just getting healthy. The, the Cowboys get back at Dak Prescott, but look, really look around the NFC, right? The Cowboys get back Dak Prescott. There's nobody else in the NFC East that's ready to challenge. And I'm just looking at this from a Packers point of view. Nobody else in the NFC East is ready to challenge the Packers, nor are the Dallas Cowboys at this point. So I don't think anyone in the NFC East scares you if you're the Packers. In the NFC North, the Lions got worse, the Bears got worse, and the Vikings mostly stayed the same. I know they get Patrick Peterson and Dalvin Tomlinson, but that's a team that's mostly staying stagnant and they should not scare you if you're the Packers. They're going to win the North. I feel very confident in saying that. In the South, the Saints got worse. I don't think the Falcons got any better. You know, the Panthers haven't gotten any better. So it, you're just, it's only Tampa, right? And then in the West, you've got four really good teams. The, the Cardinals have taken some steps getting JJ Watt. They get Chandler Jones back healthy. You know, the, the Seahawks, I think, are worse. I, I think they're trending in the wrong direction in a, in a pretty big way. They're still tough, but I, I think they're trending very much in the wrong direction. The 49ers are going to be a, a tough team. And then, um, you know, the, the Rams with Stafford, definitely going to be much tougher. But to me, this, is, this still comes down, if you're the Packers right now in the NFC, to Green Bay, Tampa, and then probably, what, the Rams, maybe the Niners, maybe the Seahawks, maybe the Cardinals. 
And the, the NFC West is going to beat up on themselves all offseason long. And only one of those teams is going to end up with a home field game in their in their first week because the three wildcard teams, even if they ended up with three or whatever it ends up being, are all going to be playing on the road. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I for, for Green Bay, this still feels like the NFC West winner, Green Bay and Tampa, as your three home teams that have a really good chance of, of making a run through the playoffs. And the offseason's not over yet. They still have the opportunity to add some players. The draft is going to be huge for Green Bay. And I, so I can understand where there's some angst and there's some frustration in what's happened. They've been able to keep Aaron Jones, which is unexpected. They did keep Preston Smith, which again, you can feel how you want about that. But for the most part, they've been able to keep a team that was Super Bowl worthy, intact, minus Corey Lindsley is really the only major player. They get back David Bakhtiari at some point. They're going to see improvements from the core of their team. I'm still grading this as mostly an incomplete at this point because I think we need to see what the remainder of this offseason brings. And can they upgrade at corner? You know, can they get better along the defensive line? Can they build the depth back on their offensive line? There's still some major questions here, but I have zero questions at this moment that this can still be one of the top offenses in the NFL. I have zero questions that if they address cornerback adequately with a new defensive coordinator, that they could be a better defense. It still needs to come together, and that's why I grade it as an incomplete. But if you look at this compared to all the the rest of the teams, I don't think they've had that bad of an offseason in comparison to some of the some of the other teams. Even if you just look at the NFC, so kudos to the Rams and you know to the Bucks for being able to you know get either better, or kind of stay the same. Forty ers same way, but I don't think the Packers are that far behind, even though they've mostly just stayed status quo. And uh, again, I would like to see them make some moves uh, in some way, shape, or form in the next couple of weeks, especially to shore up their secondary and, and maybe add a depth piece along the offensive line. We'll see what happens in the draft. We'll see what happens leading up to the season. Maybe there'll be some players cut, you know, end of training camp or traded. Who knows? They they still have work to do, no question about it. But um, I, I don't think it's been that far off from what a lot of other teams around the NFL have been able to do, partly because there hasn't been a ton of money to spend partly because it wasn't really that, it didn't end up being that great of a free agency class. I mean, it really didn't. And yeah, I, I just think Green Bay's right still in the conversation to compete for the NFC. Even though I haven't been a huge fan overall of the off season, it's tough not to say that they're going to be there competing at the end of the season. And the the cynic could of course say, you know what, that's great that they're competing, but if they end up as, you know, out in the NFC championship game or divisional round again, did they do their job? And maybe they, maybe that's fair. Maybe they didn't, but I think Brian Gutekunst at the end, by the, by the time this off season's over, I think we're going to be able to look at this roster and say, this is a team that has a chance to win the Super Bowl. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they don't do anything and maybe they're still missing pieces and maybe that doesn't end up being the case. But I still believe that Green Bay over the course of the next few weeks are, are going to be able to do something. And, and by the end of, by the end of training camp, we'll look at the team and say, I think this could be a really good team that could win a Super Bowl. So a lot of off season left. I know it's a bit early and premature to be saying who did well, who did poor and things like that. But I think as we look at things right now, there's definitely some teams that have failed to move the needle in a very significant way. There's a few teams that I think have hit it out of the ballpark so far this offseason. I think the Packers are stri- you know, straddling that line somewhere in the middle and still need a couple moves to, to really move that needle from 
playoff contender to maybe Super Bowl contender. So we'll see how that ends up over the course of the next few weeks. That's going to do it for me today. Uh, make sure to check out the Pack-A-Day podcast on YouTube. I'm doing a, about a 15-minute episode there every single day, 365 days a year on video. So make sure to check out that and subscribe if you have not already. Make sure to ch- uh, subscribe to this audio podcast if you haven't done that. I'd appreciate that greatly. Also, make sure to check out the Cheesehead TV draft guide. It is for pre-sale now. I have graded the top 30 corners. Um, I've been grinding at this for the last, I don't even know how long, and trying to put together my top 30 list uh, with notes on each player and uh, you know going through all 22 tape on, on all of the top corners in this class. So it's been a lot of fun. It is done now. Um, it'll be released. I'm not exactly sure the release date, but you can pre-order it now. So make sure to do that over on cheesehead.tv.com. That's going to do it for me. Thank you so much for listening. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.